Curtains are rising again at New York City theaters. Among the companies returning to the stage after the COVID-19 pandemic upended live performances is Epic Players. The Brooklyn-based theater company was founded five years ago to provide opportunities for performers with developmental disabilities to represent themselves on stage and screen. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Epic Players is performing its show, Epic Villains, a wickedly inclusive cabaret, at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater on October 24th and 25th at 8 p.m. Joining us on this week's Cityscape are Aubrey Therian, she's Executive Artistic Director at Epic Players, and Ellie Sondock, a New York-based neurodiverse actress and proud member of Epic Players. Aubrey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Ellie, hello. Hi. So, Aubrey, let's start off with you. Let's start off by defining neurodiversity. What does neurodiverse mean? Yeah, so neurodiversity is really just a difference in how people think and view the world. So neurodiversity can range between, you know, be an umbrella term for people with autism, ADHD, um, even so far as just somebody who thinks differently and and identifies as such. Um, It is a broad term. We at Epic uh, define neurodiversity as, you know, all of the above that I just mentioned, plus we include folks with developmental disabilities who may or may not identify with that. So that could include Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, et cetera. Um, And we're also just inclusive of neurotypical community as well. So what's the story behind Epic? Yeah, so Epic was founded in 2016 um, and it was born out of the need that I saw of people, uh, neurodivergent individuals and artists who wanted to be seen and heard more and taken seriously. Um, There are groups that exist in the city that are wonderful and and serve the developmentally disabled community um, and are, you know, a outlet for social and emotional growth. And we wanted to just take it the next step further and say neurodiverse artists can act, they can sing, they can dance, they can be on stage, they can be on screen, and they they should represent themselves and other roles on stage and screen. So we wanted to provide a professional platform to do so. And that's how Epic was created. So when did you come to that realization specifically? What prompted you to say, hey, there's this need here? Well, you know, my mother is a uh, teacher for students with disabilities, and I was an actor for a long time. And so when I was on tour, I would, you know, come home and work with my mother's students and we would write plays together. And my mother saw such a difference in our students' confidence levels, um, responsibility, independence, autonomy, just by someone saying, you know, I believe you can do this and I'm going to give you a spotlight. And that really resonated with me. And, you know, as a theater professional, I'm always looking for ways that I can use theater for social change rather than, you know, just for my own um, benefit. And when I came to the city, that was something I really sought And I found an organization and worked with them to elevate their programming. Um, And I saw from that that our artists were extremely talented and wanted to do more than just, you know, one show every six months. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to get paid for their work, which I think is really important. Oftentimes people with disabilities and neurodiverse community are uh, pigeonholed into labor positions or unemployed. Um, And I just think that's wrong. Um, There is a huge kind of industry in the arts, and I think people with disabilities in the neurodiverse community deserve to be represented in that. I understand that your grandmother was also an inspiration to you, huh? 
Yeah, she was. My grandmother had polio. Um, so she was, she was disabled at a young age and she was, you know, one of the strongest women I ever knew. And I lived with her for most of my life and we took care of each other and she would always, uh, you know, tell me stories of, of things that she would have to overcome and being, um, discriminated against and pushing forward. And she was a woman who her husband had polio as well. And unfortunately passed away when he was a younger, leaving her with four kids, um, during, you know, the 1940s. So she raised those four kids by herself, you know, disabled in a time when that was a really, really difficult thing to do. So she is, she's definitely my hero. So Ellie, how did you get involved with Epic? So I actually was on my way to an audition. Um, I used to audition a lot before the pandemic um, in person. I would live at like Ripley Greer and Pearl Studios. Anyway, I was walking on my way there and I saw this article that intrigued me about um, neurodiverse individuals doing Little Shop of Horrors. And there was this whole press review on it. And it was just, it astounded me. It stopped me in the middle of 8th Avenue And it was the first time I had seen something positive about autistic individuals and neurodivergent individuals, which is how I identify. And I just couldn't believe that was out there and that I wasn't a part of it. And I wanted to become a part of it immediately. So actually, I had coffee with Aubrey at a coffee shop near their office. And um, we talked about the company and everything. And I wanted to get involved. And then a few months later, I auditioned. Uh, and I saw a show with them actually before I auditioned and then I got into the company and I've been with them ever since. So what shows have you been in? Okay. Well, I've been in quite a few shows actually since I've, um, since I've been in Epic. So I started with Midsummer Night Dream, which didn't actually happen. We did a virtual, a virtual production of it. And then I did the Rocky Horror Cabaret last Halloween, um, which was really fun. I also choreographed that. Now I am in the Villains Cabaret that is happening October 24th and 25th at Joe's Pub. And then I'm also in Almost Maine, which is our main stage play that's coming the first few weeks of December. So how is working with Epic different for you than previous performances that you've been in? Yeah, it's it's a very, what I love about it is it's so inclusive and it's very adaptive. And I think it really meets everyone where they're at. And I really appreciate that because I feel like, you know, sometimes in other spaces I had to reach and, you know, kind of conform myself to kind of a neurotypical setting, which can be more difficult. So I feel like at Epic, it's more accepting and, you know, it's easier to be myself and kind of work in um, my own way and still be a team player with everyone else because we're all just kind of working towards the same goals. Had you faced any particular types of challenges prior? Prior to being at Epic? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I I think that what's challenging is just communication sometimes is, you know, the way that neurodivergent individuals think can sometimes differ than what is seen as normal. And so, you know, sometimes I found that communication can be difficult or, you know, trying to get your point across. Um, So I think I've had issues with that in the past um, or just the pace of things being faster than I can process. Um, But I think at Epic, what's nice is, is they go at a pace that's really great for everyone. Aubrey, what are some of the accommodations theatrical workplaces need to make to ensure their spaces are accessible to neurodiverse professionals? 
Yeah, I'm happy to weigh in on this. And Ellie, I'd ask you to also supplement to, to what benefits you too. For us at Epic and what I would recommend, you know, other theater companies or just professional workplaces to do is, is start by listening to what that person needs. Um, because as Ellie mentioned, you know, we meet people where they're at and everybody is levels are different. So what works for Ellie might not work for another player that we have. So it's important to really be very forthright up front and say, what do you need and what we can, what can we provide? So we do that uh, right from the beginning when you join Epic, you know, you fill forums, you have a conversation with us and we know exactly what you need. Um, we also make sure that we have enough support systems in the room. So if we're doing a class or a show, we have a system of mentors. Maybe we'll have three directors instead of one director. So no one is getting kind of lost in the group. And we can see when someone's struggling and see when someone needs a little bit more support and come and help them. Um, also being really specific in your expectations, I think is really important for an inclusive workplace. Um, abstract directions are not inclusive or helpful in any way. So being yeah. very, very clear with the expectations, you know, even you know, this is what time you are supposed to arrive. This is how you get there. This is where it is. If you get lost, here's the number to call. Um, all of those things are incredibly important. Um, and I would say just being as proactive as possible. I know that that is not as concrete <laughs> as it could be, but again, communicating in advance and being as proactive as possible so you can ensure that that person is as comfortable as possible moving forward in the process. Ellie, anything you I, want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say the clear instruction is big. That's something I think that I was trying to touch on with the communication is sometimes abstract or euphemistic language can be very confusing for neurodivergent individuals. So I think that's a big one. Also accommodating fidgets, which I think Epic does really great is, you know, like I wear headphones sometimes when I have auditory, you know, overstimulation. And so, you know, I found that sometimes in other spaces, they're like, what, what is that? You know, why are you doing that? Why aren't you listening to me? But um, that's not, you know, what's going on at all. So I think understanding different fidgets and different um, coping mechanisms that are used by neurodivergent individuals is really key to opening up spaces and being inclusive. How have you grown as an actor, Ellie, since joining up with Epic? Yeah, um, I, I believe I've grown a lot as an actor. I've really gotten not just performance opportunities, but as Aubrey was saying, paid performance opportunities. So, you know, I think every time I perform with Epic, I just, you know, learn more about myself and my artistry. And I'm learning a lot about myself as a neurodivergent individual, you know, because I think a lot throughout my life, I really tried to deny my neurodivergence and, you know, I was ashamed of it and I was, you know, kind of scared of presenting it. And I think that through Epic, I've been, you know, taught by my other peers and just seeing by example how everyone is so themselves and just not afraid to be who they are. And I think that's really special because it's encouraged me to like you know, be who I am and like kind of dig into my neurodiversities and just be proud of them instead of be upset about them. Aubrey, how common is Ellie's story, which she's sharing with us right now? You know, everybody's unique and so is Ellie. <laughs> but also it is, you know, it, it is common in terms of, of what I see people coming into Epic and identifying as and and just having this experience of growth um, and also discovering more about themselves. Um learning transferable life skills, uh, 
learning how to be a professional artist. You know, Ellie has a great background in the arts and, you know, she has a degree from CAP 21 and is super trained, um, which we've, you know, Ellie is now part of our mentor team, which we're so excited to have her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, do have actors who join us who never had that pathway, um, either because of lack of accessibility and mostly because of lack of accessibility and the barriers around that. And so when our players join us, maybe having never acted before, but having this keen desire to do so, you know, we teach them professional skills that they can go forward and, and really get jobs out of. That's really our primary goal. A great example of that is one player who joined us several years ago who had never been in a play before, you know, he was very talented. You know, we taught him a lot of skills. He was immediately cast in one of our shows. Um, then he was seen by an off-Broadway producer, pulled into an off-Broadway show, got his equity card and has an agent now. And this is like from being an Epic for six months. So I think that we, we hope to provide life-changing opportunities for folks. And we host, hope to also develop a community where somebody can be themselves um, and learn who that person is and find like-minded individuals as well. Ellie, how does it make you feel when you see neurotypical or able-bodied actors playing neurodiverse roles? It's very frustrating when I see that. It's definitely tough to see that because I know there's so many neurodiverse actors who could be doing that just as well, if not better. And so, you know, just the idea of anybody you know, playing a role that someone who's lived experiences could be doing is definitely frustrating. And I know there's there's definitely stats, but I, I know that most, you know, uh, neurodiverse roles and disabled roles are not being played by disabled or neurodiverse individuals, which is, you know, astounding, especially in this day and age. And I think that, you know, more and more I'm seeing, you know, casting directors uh, and people wanting neurodiverse individuals neurodiverse individuals to play neurodiverse roles, but just even apart from that, we shouldn't just be limited to that as well. You know, I don't want to be pigeonholed as a disabled actor or a neurodivergent actor. We want to be playing roles of all abilities. And I think that's what's special about Epic and what I'm starting to see in the industry is that, you know, we shouldn't be pigeonholing actors as one thing based on their ability. And that can be tiring too, just to be constantly going for autistic roles over and over again. So, you know, I think that's what Epic is about. You know, we don't just do disabled plays and we don't just play neurodivergent characters. We're doing neurotypical, you know, plays, you know, characters that are written as neurotypical and we are playing them as ourselves. And I think that's just how it should be because, you know, characters are just on paper and it takes the actor to bring them to life. And, you know, our lived experiences will come with that. And I think when neurodivergent individuals are playing characters, we bring more because our minds literally work in different ways. When you were asking, what does neurodivergent mean? It literally means differently brained. And I, you know, I think that's really special. Aubrey, are you aware of the statistics when it comes to this issue in Hollywood, for instance? Yeah, the statistics probably have changed since you know, a couple of years ago, but the most recent ones I saw from writers, which is a couple of years ago, I believe they might've released more is that of the roles available for people with disabilities, there's only 2% of those roles available in Hollywood. And those are characters that are written for people with disabilities, neurodiverse actors, neurodiverse individuals. Um, of those roles, 94% are played by able-bodied and neurotypical artists. 
Um, and that is just for, you know, TV and Hollywood. Um, I think there is even more lack of re representation on the stage because there are just less characters written for the disabled community and the neurodiverse community, unfortunately. And I think that starts in the writer's room. I would kind of piggyback onto what you were saying, Ellie and George, in that, yes, you know, people with disabilities should play people with disabilities. I also agree they should play any character. <laughs> um, but I think the, the writer's room needs to be full of neurodivergent writers and disabled writers if you're going to write something about this community. How varied are the performances that you've put on over the past few years, Aubrey, since you've started Epic? Very varied. We've put on a lot of wonderful performances. And kind of the point of Epic, Epic is also a teaching theater, again, for, for folks who maybe did not we're not able to access our conservatory training or, you know, performing arts classes. So we try to expose our actors to a variety of, of plays. And like Ellie said, we don't typically do shows that have, you know, um, a uh, very clear neurodivergent character or disabled character. We say anybody could be <laughs> neurodivergent and, you know, because of that, we do Little Shop of Horrors and have, you know, a seamer with autism, which is wonderful, I think. Um, and you find more nuances. So we really want to expose our actors to different genres. We've done Shakespeare, you know, twice, The Tempest and Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, we do big musicals and we do not change the language in any way for either of these uh, genres. We do the show as is. Um, we do... I, we do shows that have more adult content. It's important for, for our community to be able to express themselves, whether that might be, you know, with quote unquote adult language or sexual situations. Oftentimes the disabled community and the neurodivergent community is infantilized and we do not believe in that. So we want to give them the tools to express themselves through theater. So we've done shows like She Kills Monsters and, you know, Dog Sees God, which are very kind of a quote unquote adult shows with a lot of different um, tough content and scenarios. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the gamut of what we've done so far. Did I miss anything, Ellie? Um, yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on that. What I love about Epic is that it doesn't hold back and it doesn't tell neurodivergent and disabled individuals like what they can and can't play. And I think that's a, a big thing that you talked on, um, like Rocky Horror. And I'm doing Cell Block Tango right now in, you know, the cabaret. And I think, you know, the infantilization of disabled and neurodivergent individuals is real. And so I've really appreciated being able to have more adult themes and especially being, um, you know, a choreographer in both of these situations. I've appreciated kind of the carte blanche you gave me and being able to express myself and like be able to give movements to the players and trust in that. Um, so that was really great. And I think, yeah, just doing a variety of, you know, different genres of plays and musicals and, and not holding back and not saying, oh, I bet they can't do this because they're disabled or, you know, I bet this is too difficult. Like, no, you just say, these are the expectations and I know y'all can do it. And I, and I've seen it as a mentor and, you know, as a player, I've seen when you say, hey, everyone, like, we're going to go to this level, people will go for it and they will reach for it and they can go past what you thought they could do. And I think it's really awesome to see that. Ellie, as a mentor, do you find yourself giving out any particular advice more often than other advice? Um, I mean, I haven't really given out advice yet as a mentor. I just find it more, you know, I think what's cool about being a mentor is seeing the other side of it. You know, I've been a player for a bit and now I'm mentoring. And so 
I think, you know, it's just about, you know, keeping everyone going and, you know, just helping the teacher. Um, you know, I just try to, you know, use my background. I'm doing Broadway bound right now, which is like a musical theater style class. And, uh, you know, as Aubrey said, I, I have a BFA in theater arts from Cap 21 Conservatory slash Malloy College. And so I'm just trying to use the background, my audition background to help the players as much as possible, because I want to see more neurodivergent faces, and disabled faces in these rooms that I'm in, you know, I, I look around a lot of these times at these professional auditions I go to, and it's just me. And um, maybe there's a few others, but, you know, that I knowingly know about, but I want to see more of these players in the same rooms as I am. What inspired you to want to get into acting in the first place? When did that bug bite, if you will? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was in the fifth grade. I was at the Jewish Community Center, and I had auditioned for a production of The Music Man, and I got the lead role as Marion, which was crazy. I was a competitive gymnast at the time, and I, it was the last thing I thought I was going to be doing, and I did the show and I just fell in love with it. And I was like, this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. So I quit gymnastics, which I was never that great at. And I, um, and I just started acting full time. And I went to a performing arts high school in Houston, Texas, high school for the performing and visual arts. I trained at Theater Under the Stars in Houston, Texas. You know, I went to college for it. And, you know, I have done a few professional contracts since college. I was in a theme park contract with RWS Entertainment. I also spent this summer doing the Sterling Renaissance Festival as a washerwoman, which was really fun. And, you know, I've continued my professional career with Epic, doing all of the shows that I could <laughs> since I literally have done every show I think I could have since I joined. So it's been really great performing with Epic. And, you know, Epic really changed my life for the better. I mean, I was... You know, as I was saying, I was really insecure about my disability and hiding it from everyone. And, you know, representation couldn't be more important for all sorts of groups. But, you know, for me, representation of autism was big and I saw it in a positive way. And it made me open up about my autism for the first time in my life. And I started being out about my autism, you know, really shortly before I joined Epic, which is huge. And so it really changed my life. Ellie, what's been your favorite performance so far? What role? Um, I really enjoyed doing the Rocky Horror Cabaret. Um, it was my first time choreographing anything. So I really appreciate Aubrey for believing in me and just kind of like thrusting me into this role that I had never done before. And it was super fun. And I had a really great time. I also was Columbia in the show. And I was like Sarah in, you know, the Hocus Pocus number. So I was a few different roles in that show. But I think, um, you know, this choreographer, it's, it was something I had never done before. I never really thought of myself doing. But, um, you know, only at Epic, you get opportunities that you never thought you would. And um, now I'm doing it again in Joe's Pub. And um, I hope to teach um, dance next semester. And so I hope that this path just keeps going for me. Um, and it's just kind of a new thing that I learned. Oh, I can actually do this at Epic, which is really great. So great that you're live on stage once again. But Aubrey, what did COVID do in terms of performing? How quickly did you need to, I'm going to use this word again, pivot? I overused it over the last uh, year and a half. But uh, how did you pivot during COVID? We pivoted hard. Um, <laughs> we, and also, Ellie did a great job choreographing. We'll say, thank you for doing it. Yeah. Um, 
No, we pivoted really hard. We, and we didn't miss a beat, to be honest. Um, we mm. had classes, the world shut down the very next week, our classes were online. We had put together an infographic on how to use Zoom. We got an account. We had training sessions for our actors and our mentors on how to use Zoom um, or any other kind of uh, virtual platform. And we did just that. And then we also um, doubled our class offerings because we knew that almost every other um, organization that our players were a part of had not pivoted that hard and maybe had stopped their programs and went on a hiatus, which is totally fine because it was a very difficult time, but we knew that our players who may be suffering from anxiety um, would be amplified during this time. So we wanted to make sure that there was a home for them. Uh, so we had classes every day, maybe twice a day. We started our social groups. Um, we have social groups like they who slay and men who meet and ladies who lunch. Um, we also have our you know, epic outings that we did virtually. We did parties and appreciations and sent gifts virtually. We had Friday night, I don't know, Friday night fun nights, we call them. Yes, yes, karaoke. Yes, we do karaoke on Zoom. Um, so we just tried to stay as connected as possible. We started our advocate program and checked in on our players all the time, every month. Um, and then we also had virtual production opportunities. And that really is, you know, the foundation of our organization is our productions. Um, that's that's where the fun is. That's where the joy is. It's what everybody wants to do. So we had about eight performance opportunities in a year. All were paid um, and all also enabled us to teach our actors a different medium, which was film. Um, we bought green screens and lights and filmed and edited and put on these kind of cinematic quality productions for our players. And they got to come and see us in person, even if though it was one-on-one, -on -one, even though it was masked, they got to do it. They got to act. They got to do their takes. They got to feel like, you know, a movie star, which is what we we wanted, we hoped happened from it. So um, that's what we did. And as a result of that, we reached way more people around the country. Um, our company increased by 21 members, and many of those members are all over the country in different states and were able to join us virtually. And we've kept that today. We've kept a roster of virtual classes. Um, and also in this February coming up, you'll see a virtual number that is, uh, you know, performed by players all over the country and edited together. Ellie told us her story about how she discovered Epic, but how do people typically discover and join Epic? Yeah, so typically, I mean, the best way is our website, our website, www.epicplayersnyc.org. Um, there's so much information on there to discover. Uh, also seeing a show, I would highly recommend coming to see a show. Uh, they're great experiences. You know, if there is a barrier to ticket price or cost, anybody can email me and we'll be happy to get you in to see the show. Um, but that really is experiencing what Epic is about. And the third way is to come shadow one of our classes. Uh, anybody is welcome to come sit in our class, have a conversation with us and just see if Epic is the community for them. So as you look ahead, considering the push to increase diversity on Broadway and off-Broadway, what are your hopes? I My hope is that every theater will be a neurodiverse theater, that it won't be a thing anymore, that every show is a neurodiverse show or a neuroinclusive show, and it won't be, it will be the new normal. So that would be my hope for Broadway as well, um, that it isn't uh, just kind of a once you know, um, once in a lifetime tokeny event that it becomes the new standard uh, on the stage, that every production, every cast includes members of the neurodivergent community. Ellie, what about you? What are your hopes? 
well, Broadway, if you're listening, please hire me and then you will automatically become neuroinclusive. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I agree with Aubrey. Um, I hope that, you know, neuroinclusive neuro spaces are the, nor the normal, you know, it should be what it is. And I, you know, instead of feeling like a pioneer, I, I don't want to feel like a pioneer. I don't want to feel like, oh, you know, they're hiring, maybe they're hiring me because I am autistic and they want to look good. You know, that is something that sometimes does cross my mind and it can be a hurtful thing to be like, oh, why isn't it for me? So, you know, I think when neuroinclusive spaces become more of a norm, it will level out the playing field for all. And it will be about, you know, who is really right for the role and um, who's bringing what they need. And that's what it should be about. I just wanted to piggyback on that thought. I, and I would say also, and I would want to see more neurodiverse writers for this stage and more content mm -hmm. that when you're talking about, you know, neurodivergent individuals or the disabled community, the play maybe is just about their loves and their lives and what they're experiencing rather than the stereotype of a savant or this, you know, magical person with a disability or a catalyst for the neurotypical person to be saved. It's just a show about life. And it just happens to be that some of the characters have a disability or are neurodivergent. Elvie, what's your dream role? Is there a show that you want to be in? Oh, yeah. Um, my biggest dream role is to be Dawn in Waitress. I love that show. I have the CD in my car and I know every word. And that's probably my biggest dream role is to be Dawn in Waitress. So I would love to do that. I actually have a video of me singing her song on my YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. All right, Ellie, any final words? Stay epic, y'all. <laughs> Couldn't have been said better. Ellie, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Aubrey. Thanks, George. Appreciate you. Aubrey Therian is Executive Artistic Director at Epic Players. Actress Ellie Sondock is a proud member of the theater company. More info at epicplayersnyc.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>